this is going to be a very uh, tremendously moving message. Uh, I just ask the Lord that the presentation match the content. You know, I am not talking about my presentation is going to be moving. Uh, I pray that it would be, but I also I pray that it would be um, that you'd get the content. And so, um, this I made reference to this. I just want to go over it one more time. This is the last thing that happens to Jesus on Palm Sunday, the week before the Passover, the week before his crucifixion. He has come in, and the day before, he beat the money changers out of the temple. You know that story. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the scribes and the priests, they were all coming at him with these trying to uh, get him to you know, uh, bring guilt on himself or bring, uh, incriminate himself, you know. And uh, what they didn't know is they were examining him. Just that it was uh, one of the, remember he came to fulfill all the law, every jot and tittle. And so they were examining him to see because he was going to be the lamb that would be sacrificed. And the, for a week they would examine the lambs that were going to be offered up in the sacrifices uh, in the temple on Passover. And up to two, uh, 250,000 lambs would be slaughtered that uh, week of the Passover. And so uh, he had uh, been questioned, and then this was the last one that came at him. They, they not only sent a Pharisee uh, to him, they also sent a... A lawyer and says one of them which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him saying which of all the commandments is next verse thank you master which is the great commandment in the law Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it unto, unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, this is the last verse, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And what I believe is happening here is there's a uh, a plethora, plethora, plethora things of going on that uh, in these times, and uh, you'll find that he is making reference to so many things that uh, God is wanting to uh, happen, and uh, the uh, the idea is is that this is why Jesus is going to the cross to fulfill these things. And so when he says this, all the law and all the commandments rest upon these two. Thou shalt love the, that's, there's there are three references in the Deuteronomy that, that, that he's quoting from. And he says, and it, what he's, what I believe he is saying here is he is virtually saying 
This is what I'm dying for. I am dying so that you and I can love the Lord our God with all our minds. Now, I, I, I make reference to what Paul says in Galatians, because what he says in Galatians is that the, no one can keep the law. It was impossible. You know, that's why they have those many thousands of sacrifices, uh, because it was impossible to keep the law of God. And so what was happening, though, is people knew that it was a looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And so when he says this, that all the law. Now, what Paul says is the law, and you can read it in Galatians, the law was a tutor or a schoolmaster, which is not really that great at describing what the law, what he's saying is, is what what they had in those days was when you had a child that had to go to school, there would be this tutor that would take him to the school. And when he would take him to the school, he would, you know, that's all his responsibility was. And this is this word that Paul uses to describe the law. It says the law was a tutor that was escorting mankind, Israel, to the law uh, to to the school, and you know what the school is is Jesus. Jesus is the one that, through his death, burial, and resurrection, through the gospel. I I call it partially the gospel, because we we you know the gospel. Jesus came to save lives. Jesus died, bore your sins upon the cross. And has taken them to hell, deposited them where they're supposed to be, and was raised again from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And we were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, but Christ lives on us. And we were raised from the dead and seated with him in heavenly places. Now, that's not what Jesus died for. All right? That's, that's part of it. But see, Jesus died so that you and I could love the Lord our God. This is the purpose. This is the end game. This is why he died. And this is what he's saying right here. This is the last thing he says. Well, he says one thing after this. He says to the lawyer, he says, uh, let me ask you a question. And then he says, who's, who's uh, uh, the Messiah? Whose who's father, ancestor was his? And he says, David. He says, David, he's called the son of David. And so he says to the lawyer, says, well, if he's David's son, then why did David call him Lord? Psalm 110. Because it says that, that David calls the Messiah Lord and then says and refers to a verse that's also referred to in Hebrews. Thou shalt love, uh, uh, sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And so he catches them. And that's after that, they had no more questions for him. But Jesus died so that you and I, and it was impossible for us to do that. But he died making it possible. Jesus died. And Rodney's the word that came through Rodney today. Jesus died because he wants you. He created you. He made you. 
so that you could love his father with all his heart, mind, with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. You see? So, you know, this is his purpose. This is what God, and the second is like this. But not only it is like it, but it comes, it cannot be done without the first. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself until you have loved the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And you can't do that except through Jesus. You can't do that through except through Christ. Because it says in 1 John that no man loved God first at any time. You have to have received the love of God before you can give it. And when you have received what God has done for you. Now, I've been doing this uh, research and study on my own about the various ways it says in the Bible that we can, uh, that we are cleansed. And uh, of course, we all know if you're an evangelical Christian or if you're a Christian at all, you, you know that you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it washes us and it talks about, you know, in this song, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Because see, your garment has to be white. Now I've been also talking about this word, you know, in my studies, the word protocol. What is the protocol? The protocol is what are the rules that are set down when you go before a holy God? The holy God, the only holy God. What are the protocols? And there are several things that are lined up. And the first one probably on the list is the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot come into the presence of God with a, with a damaged garment, with an unclean garment. And the only one that we have an unclean garment uh, a clean garment is through the blood of precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you, you can, it, it says in Hebrews ten nineteen we can have boldness in coming before God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why are we bold? Because of what he has done, not because of what we had done. But there are several different ways that it talks about even the blood. It talks about in Hebrews how our conscience is sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, that's a different work of the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's so many other things in the Bible that, that, that refer to cleansing in the New Testament and the Old Testament. But let's just think about some of these in the New Testament. Put up, if you would, Titus, the third chapter, verse 5. Now, this is a song that we used to sing. And I, and I make reference to this a lot. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. This is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing. Do you see that? By the washing of regeneration. Now there are many things that are involved in the washing of regeneration. Washing by something is, this isn't the first time Jesus says in John 15, he says, now are you washed? And he makes two reference to that. Now are you clean? Now are you washed by the words that I have spoken to you? The word of God is a cleansing from the word of God is one of the things. It says, and interesting in the Psalms, I think it's 1210, I think, or something like that. It says uh, 12, 8, 12, 7. It says this, 
uh, the word of God is like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. So if we're washed by the blood, it is important to know that it has the word of God is purified seven times. Later on, it talks about how we are washed by the word in, in a psalm and, and that we are purified in the process. So God has purified us. He purges us. He saves us. And here it says we're washed by the washing of regeneration. Even this has involves the blood of Jesus Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit that regenerates us. Why does the Holy Spirit regenerate us? Well, because and this is one of those things that I'm asking, why so many different ways? Why not just say it one way and that's it? Because see, there are many different aspects of why you are washed and, and, and prepared for the presence of God and prepared to leave his presence and to serve on earth. There are many different ways because it's many different aspects of your, of the washing. You know, even Jesus, when he washed the disciples feet, he says, go and wash one another's feet. You and I, if, if we're going to serve God on earth, we have to wash one another's feet because that's part of the cleansing process. Your walk will, if you're going to be walking with the Lord, you're going to get dirty feet. I'll tell you that much. You know, even though your feet are beautiful, do we just saying that, let my feet be beautiful? Well, that's because it's, it's said so in the Bible that, that uh, you know, uh, uh, the feet on the mountainside are beautiful. So we have beautiful feet, but they get dirty. They get dirty because you get down and start serving one another and start walking with the Lord. You're going to get dirty feet. But the solution to that is that we, each other in the body of Christ, wash one another's feet. See, there's a process that's important because if your feet get dirty, you can't serve the Lord. Hello? Okay, so this is talking about washing of regeneration. It says in another place, the outward man perishes, but the inward man renews day by day. We need to be renewed day by day. It says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it says, uh, you know, uh, be, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That says speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is to be filled with the Spirit. That in the, in the, in the Greek, it means keep on being filled. It's a regenerating process. You, here it's talking about the washing of regeneration and renewing of what? The Holy Ghost. You see, it's not just the blood of Jesus Christ that's working here. It's the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, there's a verse of scripture in second in uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, talking about the Jew and the Gentiles. And it says we both have access by the spirit into his presence. So you have to go into his presence by his spirit. Jesus told that to the woman at the well. He says you have to, you know, the, the time comes when the father is going to seek those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So you come in. To the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth by the Holy Ghost. And this is a daily thing. The washing of, of regeneration. It's a, uh, it's a repenting thing. You know, in order to re be, have this effectively working in your life, you have to have a repentant heart. Why? Because when you do fail, there's a solution to it. It says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
So there's the blood of Jesus Christ going on a daily basis, not just the one time. You know, it says also in first Peter, it says that we are to love one another with a pure heart fervently. And then it says being state of being continuously on and on and on being born again. And that's what this regeneration part is. You know, you, you, what, what, think about what day you gave your life to the Lord. Think about what day Jesus came into your heart. What happened to you that day? You got born again. Did you know from every, every day from there on out, you get born again. You get regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You can feast, you, to, to love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit, and so forth. You have to have a regenerated heart. You have a new heart. Will I give you a new spirit? Will I put you? I take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a new heart of flesh so that you and I can come in to worship. In Ezekiel 44, it says that, uh, just, you know, Jesus, uh, the Ezekiel starts to talk about how the priests that, that didn't, weren't faithful during the time that they were carried away into, into bondage, the ones that weren't faithful, they can, they can come in and they can serve in the outer court and they can serve in the temple, but they can't come into the inner court and the inner, the Holy of Holies. You can't come in there and serve me. And then he says, only the sons of Zadok, who are the sons of Zadok? Well, it hasn't got anything to do with the descendants of Zadok. Zadok was one of them was was a high priest in the time of David that was one of the most loyal, faithful men you could ever find in your whole life. He was able to be loyal to three different kings who were three different kings altogether. And he was able to be loyal through all three kings. So what's he saying there? He says in order to come into the presence of God, and, and it says, interesting, read it, uh, uh, Ezekiel 44. It says in the last of it, it says, the ones that were faithful, they can come into my table, and they can come in and serve with my things. And they, and you hear God say about eight times, my, 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 you can come in and serve me. And so the coming into the presence of God has to, he says, is you have to be a son of Zadok. Well, thank God and I, I'm, I, I've never been that loyal, but through Christ, that's another thing. Through him, he has enabled me. He has made me a son of Zadok so that I can come in and to his presence and minister to God personally. See, each and every one of you have been born. You have been created. You know, I, I, I was listening. I'm sorry. I apologize for what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't care either. Uh, when I love the Lord, when I'm loving the Lord, I, I can't help but think of some songs I used to know. You know, I think of some old songs. You know, Wesley took some of those old drinking songs and made hymns out of them. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, it's like um, there's this guy. He, he wasn't on very long. He's part of the British invasion back in the 60s, you know. And there was this guy, and I remember him so well because my best friend, whenever we were at a dance, he only had one request of this particular band. It's called Freddie and the Dreamers. Okay? And, and, and my, Kenneth Sanderson, my best friend, he says, uh, the only reason he did that is because that was the only dance that he could do. You know? And the dance was, dance was very easy. You just, you know, Put, put a foot out, only you, you're hopping, you know. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Do the Freddy, 
And that was the first song, Do the Freddy. <laughs> he had about three hits. And you know what you could do? All three hits, you could do the Freddy. <laughs> How many of you remember Freddy and the Dreamers, you know? Well, he had this song. <laughs> and it goes, You were made for me. Everybody tells me so. You were made for me. Don't tell me that you don't know. All the trees were made for little things that sing and fly. And the sun was made to burn and brighten up the sky. See? This is God saying, you were made for me. 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 You were made. I created you from the beginning of time. Before, put, put up Titus 1. First verse, Titus 1. Then we'll go to Titus 3. Titus 1. You were made to serve God. And notice this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness and hope of eternal life. Do you have hope of eternal life? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot promise or cannot lie, excuse me, promised before the world began. You were promised God had a plan, and that plan was very simple. He, he, he knew you. It says that in, he foreknew you. He knew you before the world was even created, and he had a plan. And that plan is for you to love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit, and so forth, and to love one another, or to love your neighbor as yourself. All, everything else is on that. That is the foundation of everything that God came to, 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 to do. There are so many other things that God wants to do. But first and foremost, the first is for you to love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. If you are not doing that, you're, it's equivalent of trying to mow the lawn with a piano. Try to mow the lawn with a piano. Try to get the piano out in the lawn and push it. Does that sound ridiculous? You that are not loving, and I'm not pointing any hands, I'm just saying, if anybody isn't in love with God with all their heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, you are the equivalent of mowing the lawn with a piano. You were created for God. That's what the word that Rodney gave. You were created for God. And all the ways that he wants to cleanse you and wash you is so that you can be presented to him with the washing of the water by the word. Why does it say that you are washed by the water by the word? Why does it say that in the word? It's in Ephesians 5. Very simple. We are washed by the water by the word that we may be presented to God, a holy church, Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. A bride. We are a bride of the king. And I've made reference to this. In, 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 in the days of Ahasuerus, it says he had this big party for himself. 
and it lasted for six months. And then he had a week-long party. And the consummation of it all is he asked for Vashti, his queen, to come. And, and he wanted to brag on his queen. He wanted to show his queen off. He wanted to show, you know, I, I have... Uh, exp- uh, I own all these different provinces and I've done this and I've won this and I've done this and I've accomplished everything. And now we're just going to have a real big party at the end. And I want to show you my queen. And Vashti says, no. Well, she lost out on that deal. But you know, what's the point? The point is, are we going to be a Vashti that says No. No, I don't want to be a Vashti that says no. I want to fulfill the calling of God in my life. You know, for uh, 2 Timothy 1.9 says he saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his grace and purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord before the world began. Same thing. We have been saved and washed in the blood. All right, like, let's go back to, well, I'll just tell you what it is. Uh, I always look back to the previous verses to see what's going on in, in a verse. And I went back to see what's going on in Titus, the third chapter. And it said, submit to the laws of the land, first verse. And then it started the next verse with, let's see, let's see what it would be. Are you trying to put that? I just said I was going to tell them. Oh, that's good. To speak evil of no man. Is anybody in here convicted of that? That, that word? Man, I read that and I'm like, What? <laughs> That must be a misprint. <laughs> that means, that must be speak evil of, don't speak evil of some men. <laughs> or maybe that's just men. No, it can't be that. You women say, well, that's men only. <laughs> Mankind. And I was thinking, why? this is why I have to be regenerated every single day of my life. is because... I'm not living up to it, but I'm going that direction. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Uh, to speak evil of no man. Let's just get to Psalm 51 real quick. Hallelujah. This won't take long. Oh, you were made for me. We got it. Psalm 51 verse one. Okay, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now, before I go on, I want to give you a little backdrop of what's going on here. This psalm is written after a prophet by the name of Nathan confronted David about Bathsheba, okay, and Uriah. You guys know that story? You know, uh, and so Nathan has gone to David because of, you know, he had sinned. He had taken another man's wife. He had in the equivalent of murdering the man to cover it up. 
and then he marries her. All right. All right. And so Nathan goes to David and he says, we have a problem here. And he says, well, what is it? He says, there's a really wealthy man. I mean, rich man in the town. And he has, uh, and there was this poor man. And this poor man had one little lamb. And he was special to him because he nourished it and, and, you know, and fed it and fed it, fed it, ate at his table with him. And he would hold that lamb and it was special to him. And a rich man had somebody important come to visit him. And so what he said was, is he, instead of taking one of his own lambs and killing it, he took this poor man's lamb and he had it killed and they ate it. David was furious. He says, I don't know how he came up with this one, but he says, first of all, he should be put to death. Then he should restore the guy's lambs fourfold. I'm like, shouldn't that have come before the death part? You know, but that's what it said. This is in Second uh, Samuel chapter 12, if you want to read it sometimes. And so David, after he, after he says all these, he says, he should be, he should be put to death. And he says, you're the man. What? 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 <laughs> you're the man. This is all about you. You know. And he, he, it, <clears throat> David writes Psalm 51. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did I my did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in my inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou hast made me to know wisdom. Purge me. We're going to start with this. Stop with this one. Purge me with hyssop. That's an interesting thing. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Right. Now, what was he talking about there with hyssop? Well, I happen to have a picture here for you. All right. If this thing works now. All right. What's this? This is just one of the various uh, plants that are in the hyssop family. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that pretty? What does, he, what does he mean, purge me with hyssop? Well, I'll tell you what, what it was. Is <clears throat> he says uh, when they were in Egypt... And they were being set free. They had the ten plagues. I hope everybody saw the ten commandments. Know what I'm talking about. And then they took the lamb. Every family had their own lamb. That's why it took 250,000 lambs. They couldn't share, you know, the lambs between families. Every person has his own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the lamb of God for you, every person individually in this room. And so it says they would take the lamb... And it had to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. No broken, broken bones. And they would take that lamb and they would slaughter it. And they would take the blood and they would take a hyssop plant. 
uh, and there's many var- var- uh, variations of this, and they would dump, dump, uh, put it in the blood, and they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it on one post, then they would sprinkle it on on the other post in the front, and then of the head and right above it, and from the inside of it, it looked like you could see that it was a cross. And so the death angel, which actually it says the destroyer, would come through the city and he would pass over. This is why they celebrate the Passover. He would pass over the firstborn. Everybody else in the whole, all of Egypt, the firstborn was going to die. And so they took that hyssop. Well, I don't know why they took the hyssop. Hyssop is a godly plant. It's uh, used for medicine. It's used to even in eating and and seasoning and things, but they would, that hyssop flower was a very spongy-like flower that you would take and you would splash on the thing. So when he says, cleanse me with hyssop, it's in reference to that. It's also in reference to something that's going to happen, because if you remember on the cross, there was a sponge-like thing that was put up to Jesus' mouth with vinegar in it, and it was on the stalk of a, of a hyssop plant. And he was fulfilling that, that very same righteousness of that hyssop. And David says, cleanse me with hyssop. All right, now let's go on and we'll finish with this. Sorry, you weren't ready, were you? Because I told you this would be it. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that thy bones, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now this is interesting because he is referring to himself there that the bones which thou hast broken. Now we've talked about the bones that are broken or not broken in the in the in the uh ceremony of breaking bread that in the older translations it doesn't say uh um this is my body which is broken for you. It says, this is my body, which is for you. And so, you know, Harry, rightly so. As a matter of fact, I've heard teachings going both ways. Chuck Smith, for example, he was one of those guys. This is my body, which is for you, because it is, actually, he was, he was the other guy. The other guy, <laughs> the other guy was, this is my body, which is broken for you. It doesn't mean that his bones were broken. It just means that he was broken. Why? He came to heal the brokenhearted. And so when they say, this is my body, which is broken for you, they do not mean the bones. Okay. All right. Chuck, uh, Chuck Smith was the one that said, oh, no, no, you, you don't say that at all. You know, you don't say that this is, you just say, this is my body. So you, you get some, get some around. There's both sides, all right? The point in making is his body, his bones were not broken, but he was broken. In this case, he's making it a point to say, this is my body. This is, make me to joy and gladness, which is back verse. Hide not thy face. Where would where, uh, where we miss the Oh, that the bones which thou hast broken. You know what that's called talking about though? It's really very simple. It was a, uh, a practice that shepherds would use. That if they had a lamb that was always running astray, they would take their little shepherd hook 
and they would get the lamb and then reach out and then hook it around the leg and they would snap that leg and break it. And he says, this is that the bones which thou hast broken. See, he's saying to God, the bones which thou hast broken. I think I'm one of those lambs, okay? Because here's what the the tradition was or the, the belief that they would break that bone, then they would mend it, but the lamb couldn't walk. So have you ever seen pictures of Jesus walking, carrying a lamb? You know, this is in reference to this very verse. The, you know, if you've ever saw a picture of that. And he says, that shepherd would carry that lamb everywhere it went. And it would just never put it down except to, you know, eat and everything until that bone was mended. And when that bone was mended, you, you never, ever saw that lamb more than just right at the leg of that shepherd, no matter where he went. It would be at the leg of the shepherd. And he says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Is that beautiful? Okay, next verse, let's go on. Hide, hide thy face, do not hide thy face, or excuse me, hide thy face from my sins. Don't look at my sins anymore. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Take away, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me in the free spirit. And we'll stop right there. I want to ask you a question. When you think of King David and you think of what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah, what do you, what do you think? What what conjures up in your mind? I mean, what do you think? You think that that's about as the worst thing you could possibly ever do. You know, take a man's wife, uh, have sex with her, get her pregnant, and then try to get the, her husband to come in and, and go in and lay with her so it looked like it was his child instead of David's. And then when he wouldn't, have him killed, basically. On, and put him on the front lines and withdraw from him and have him killed. Is that, is that pretty bad? And when you think of somebody like somebody that's really bad, like that's had millions of people killed, like Adolf Hitler. Man, does that make you think, you know, there's some, some ideas that about hell that I can really agree with, you know, that somebody like that should go to hell. Or Stalin or somebody like that or somebody that's wicked. How about somebody that has molest, has a, a lot of children and he molested most of his daughters sexually? What, what would you want something happen to somebody like that? Okay, now. Here's the deal. There is not a person in this room that is any better than them. You think, well, that's despicable what David said. You know. I love that song, Hallelujah. It wasn't exactly a Christian song, but, you know, uh, what's that song? I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? 
when it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, and a baffled king composing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. His faith was strong, but he needed proof. But he saw her dance, saw her bathing on the roof. And the moonlight and her beauty overthrew you. Well, she tied you to her kitchen chair. She cut your hair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. And there's two references. One to David and one to Samson. And from your lips she stole the hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we got a guy, part of our church, molested most of his daughters. Large family. He's in prison. He's doing uh, 20, 23 years or something. Uh, 18 with good behavior, maybe. He's doing uh, seven years now. I get a phone call with him every week. And the biggest trap any of us can fall into is to think we're more holy than he is. Because he has repented and he loves the Lord. And he's just as holy as I am. (laughs) Or even more of a, look, you're no better than David. You're no better than Adolf Hitler. You're no better. One sin separates you from the love of God. One. But Jesus died. You know what's interesting? One of the other approaches to God, one of the protocols of coming into God's presence is that we have a high priest that's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It says that in uh, in Hebrews 4. So we have this high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, and therefore we can come in boldly that we may obtain grace and mercy and help in time of need. You see, I have a high priest that's touched with... He bore not just all the sins of mankind. He bore every single one of my sins. Every single one. And I'm no better than anybody else. Except I'm washed in the blood. (laughs) Hallelujah. And if Adolf Hitler was washed in the blood, we'll see him in heaven. I have a a kind of a suspicion that he wasn't. (laughs) Hello? But, you know, this is, this is, we have to go before God saying, God, cleanse me. <laughs> cleanse me with your precious blood. Wash me clean. Wash my robe clean. We come in with thanksgiving. This is, I'll, I'll close with this. Did I have this? already said that three or four times? That's okay. That's okay. Thank you. I got permission. That's right. <laughs> you know, I was thanking God for, I was the the verse of scripture enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name and I was thinking as I entered into the the courts of God with my hands raised up because he says in Psalm 141 he says like the evening sacrifice raised the hand I come in with my knee bent not really but mentally because it says that you know Wherefore God has highly exalted him, gave him a name that, that is above every name, that every 
tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee will bow. So I bow my knees. He says, come in humble. I come in with humility into the presence of God with my knee bowed. And I start thanking him for all the things he's done for me. And then one time, now I'm not, I am not condemning this. I'm not condemning it at all. But I, I found out there's something even greater than that. And that is, look, you can read the Psalms through and you can find out how many wonderful things God has done for you. And you should thank him for each and every one of those. But I have found out that to come into his holy presence, to love him is not just for what he's done for me. Hello? But to love Jesus and to love God and to thank him because he's God. He's a holy God. And I want to thank you, Lord, because you are you. How would you like it if he was someone, some other God? I want to thank you, Lord, for being you. Hebrews 11, 6 says, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't come into God's presence without faith. But he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. That he is. And you go in and I just want to thank you because you are. He is I am. He is he is God. And I want to worship you. If you've done, if you do nothing for me, if the rest of my life, if you did nothing for me, you're still worthy to be praised. You're still worthy to be thanked. And so I want to thank you, God, for you. You don't have to do anything for me. It says in James 1, it says, you know, you have not because you ask not. Then it says, you ask and you don't get because you ask amiss to consume upon your own lust. I don't want to ask God that I may consume upon my own lust. I, I, I want to go to God. And you know what he says? He wants to take care of me. He wants, but he wants to feed me. He wants to clothe me. He wants me to, he wants me to get all the things the Gentiles are seeking. That's what it says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things the Gentiles get will be added unto you. But I want to seek him for who he is and thank him and praise him and love him. Say, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up hands to you now. Holy hands to pray without wrath or doubting. And Lord, this one word to speak evil of no man. Because I want to be regenerated by the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus Christ every minute of every day. So that I would be convicted if one time some negative comment or some evil thing that I spoke of some person. Lord, just forgive me for that and help me see that. But help me see also that I am no better. We are no better than any other sinner. We all need to be washed by the blood. We all need the name of Jesus Christ. We all need to bow our knees before the holy God. Every one of us, no matter 
how good we think we are. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, you save us. May we know that and understand it and appreciate it, Lord. And thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, because you're such a great, good, wonderful, precious. You're more precious than silver. You're more costly than gold. You're more beautiful than diamonds. And all the things I can possibly desire are not worthy to be compared with your goodness and your grade. And we worship you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen.